How to show up with Coca-Cola energy. You're tired and you're thinking of canceling on your friends. Don't do it! Every time you cancel on a friend, a unicorn loses its horn and becomes a regular horse. Do you really want that on your conscience? Instead, grab an ice-cold can of Coca-Cola energy with delicious Coke taste and reinvigorating energy. Keep the unicorns alive! Show up every day with Coca-Cola energy. Energy you want, taste you love. We're glad to have back Aziza Hassan, founding member and executive director of Newground, a Muslim-Jewish partnership for change. Uh, Aziza was last on the show in February. Now, Newground, I love this organization. It's a community-building organization that creates, connects, and empowers Jewish and Muslim changemakers in America. And through a professional fellowship, high school leadership council, and public programming, Newground transforms Muslim-Jewish relations and advances a shared agenda for change. More than a pleasure to have with us Aziza Hassan. Aziza Good afternoon. Welcome back. Thank you. The pleasure is all mine. I'm so glad to be back with you. Um, you uh, did a uh, TED Talk, and uh, I'm going to email you and talk to you about your TED Talk privately. <laughs> but, but I want to talk about uh, not just your TED Talk. Um, I, do, you, do you think, and I think you do touch upon this, um, how even though some people throughout the world perceive another individual based on geographic location, cultural background, and certainly religion as an enemy or different. There is a curiosity out there, isn't there, about all of us who are different from others? And I think that curiosity can lead to some of these bridges, which you guys certainly know about and create and form a new ground. Absolutely. I think the curiosity is there, and it, it coexists in a place where there's lots of other emotions. And those emotions sometimes hold us back from really engaging our curiosity in an authentic way that isn't provocative and is truly curious so that we can actually get to a place where we're learning. You talk about courage and courage of curiosity. And uh, you know how a lot of people say never talk religion or politics. Now, with people with new ground, or if you're talking about Judaism and Islam, mm-hmm. both obviously come up, religion and politics. Uh, and there's a lot of emotion tied. You know, I, I will constantly say, and I think you know I'm half Jewish, half Christian, married into a Muslim family. Mm-hmm. And I will not talk Mideast with uh, the very religious Muslims or Jews because I don't feel they're open-minded. You know, I feel like a lot of Jewish people are automatically pro-Israel. A lot of Muslim people are automatically pro-Palestine. And, and they, they can't see the other's perspective or hear the other's perspective because uh, they're just so emotional and obviously these emotionally charged conversations uh, can be wrought with conflict. Right. You bring up really important points and there's a lot of wisdom behind not talking about politics and religion around Thanksgiving um, or around the dinner table period. Um, And Newground recognizes that and that's why we have trained facilitators who are literally there watching, listening, and making sure that people are um, opening up uh, diffusing some of the tension that's in the room, but really able to, to focus and, and talk about it. Um, and that it really does take some trained professionals um, to be in the room and some really intentional time. Um, one of the biggest things that we uh, are, go through at the beginning of our program is um, having a direct conversation saying, I have something to share. Are you ready to listen? Um, because a lot of times we bring up politics, but the other person's not even ready to hear what we have to say. They just charge right back. Um, and so having that intentionality and the curiosity that comes with it and making sure we're both in a place in curiosity is really central because 
a lot of times we think we're curious, but we're making assumptions. And we ask questions, but the questions are more like, what's wrong with you? Or what's your problem? And those are naturally provocative, though you could argue it's curious. You have experience not only as a mediator, but a conflict resolution practitioner. And we have a lot of conflict in this country, and you can hear by people like Donald Trump, Ben Carson, some other people out there, saying really ugly things about Muslims, about Islam. I think we all know the phrase, not all Muslims are terrorists, but all terrorists are Muslims, which is not true. Overwhelming majority of uh, terrorist activities in the world are related to national or governmental uh, interest and, and not religious interest. And we can get into the religious side. I always say, uh, you know, when they released those French prisoners last April who were with ISIS, and we still don't know how many or how that went down, uh, but those that are, have spoken said that uh, some of them converted to Islam and some of them who just wanted to read the Quran to find out what you know they felt this was all about uh, were beyond shocked when not one of their ISIS hostage holders, uh, their perpetrators, had one. Uh, and I say that because it just shows that these uh, individuals are, are, are not religious. We're going to take a break. When we come back, I want you to speak to some of the things that are being said because I, I think it makes your job harder in a sense, uh, your organization at Newground, and that job harder of building those bridges and of peace when there's a constant division of misinformation being given um, about people that total worldwide over 1.6 billion. Uh, we'll be back with our guest, Aziza Hassan, founding member and executive director of Newground, a Muslim Jewish partnership for change. You want to join us? Questions or comments? 8886 Leslie, 888 7543 Check out the website during the break, MuslimJewishNewGround.org. Follow her on Twitter at MJNewGround. position can give you an upset stomach. Did you know that? It can. Experts say that, really. Eventually, all of us are going to develop some sort of digestive problem, because as we age, our stomachs produce less of the enzymes needed to break down food. So what do I do when I have that queasy or uneasy, refluxy feeling? I take a Gutsy Chewy tablet. Gutsy Chewy is an oral and digestive supplement, and best of all, it's 100% natural. Gutsy Chewies were also invented by somebody I trust, a friend of mine, Dr. Doug Hagigi, who is a gastroenterologist and a dentist. And what he did is he blended natural heartburn remedies, papaya, licorice root, and apple cider vinegar. He added calcium, magnesium, and xylitol for oral health. And when you put those things together, they actually boost your body's natural defense against heartburn and reflux. Gutsy Chewies are gluten and lactose-free and come in citrus and wild berry flavors. So when you get, as I often do, that queasy, uneasy, reflux feeling, take Gutsy Chewy. You'll feel better and it's 100% natural so it's better for your health. Learn more at GutsyProducts.com or call 1-855-GO-GUTSY. That's 855-484-8879. That's GutsyProducts.com. 
joining us in this hour, and we hope you do as well. 888-6LESLIE, 888-653-7543 is the founding member and executive director of Newground, a Muslim-Jewish partnership for change, Ms. Aziza Hassan. Aziza, thank you for holding. Welcome back. Um, I was talking about before the break Donald Trump and other people who constantly want to uh, include Muslims under the umbrella of, of terrorist. Um, and, and can you speak to this? Because I would imagine that, you know, you personally, uh, as a Muslim American woman, and in addition to that, as executive director of Newground, um, when you're trying to put forth change, run into some of this, whether it be from uh, those in the Jewish community or those who just, you know, may come up to you after you've given a talk. Absolutely. Um 9-11, as an American Muslim, is not something that's ever, I don't think, that I'm going to forget anytime soon. It's a fear that still lingers in my, in my body and in my bones. Um, and it's, it's something that I think a lot of Americans grapple with. And so without erasing the fact that there has definitely been a lot of pain and tragedy, um, it's, it's also important to note that um, while, like you had mentioned before the break, that a lot of people like to say all terrorists, maybe not basically the connection between terrorists and Muslims, um, there's a number of reports, including one that came out from Europol, which is basically law enforcement saying that all terrorists are Muslim except the 99.6% that aren't. And it's a full painstaking report going through the actual numbers. And so while we have these really big, like 9-11 is something that lives, um, I think, in us, and we remember it, um, we also recognize that there's a much bigger story. And if we don't pay attention to that bigger story, as America, we are going to be the ones that are going to suffer the most, because we're not going to, we're going to let other threats go undetected. So um, that being said, What's interesting is that over and over again, we see polls like Pew and Gallup that show that what really reduces Islamophobia and helps change the conversation around terrorism is when people get to actually know Muslims. Because a lot of times we make assumptions about Muslims, we make assumptions about Jews and other groups, but when we get to know people from those groups, the conversation shifts. And what we do at Newground is people have to commit to these months and months of getting to know each other and learning side by side and alongside each other. And I remember this very last year, we had a presenter. She talked about Islamophobia, the ramifications, how it's impacted people. Um, and one of our Jewish fellows stood up and said, like, I, am, I'm, I'm, I, I feel your pain, and I'm still appalled, like, the zero point whatever percent that might be a risk is still a threat. It's still a problem. And we were able to have those direct conversations one-on-one and able to to talk about those fears and those concerns. And until we're able to move into that space of getting to know each other, um, this is something that's not just going to affect us when it comes to Islamophobia. We're about to gear up into a national election, and we know that every time there's a national election, like you use the example of Donald Trump, xenophobia increases. It increases exponentially. And so it's not just fear against Muslims. It's fear against immigrants. It's fear against Latinos. It's fear against everybody. Um, So you name it. If there's a minority population, um, fear against those different groups goes up. And that's only going to really break down communications um, and lead to other instabilities. And it's not going to help us 
as we eventually merge into a greater society with a minority majority by 2050 if we don't have the tools to build relationships and problem solve together. Another thing that certainly bothers me, and i got to admit, before I knew my husband and met his family, his mom and other women in the family, I did believe that all Muslim women were oppressed and, you know, all women were forced to wear what they're wearing. And in some countries that is true. I, as an American woman and, you know, just, you know, being a female in general, mm-hmm. uh, I, I, you know, yesterday we were talking about the two women who were the first to graduate from the uh, Army Ranger School. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I, I, I constantly have to say that I snicker when people point to Saudi Arabia and say women can't vote or women can't drive and women couldn't vote in this country at one time. Um, and to uh, Muslim countries and to the religion of Islam oppressing women when we have enough sexism and oppression of women here, maybe not to the degree of not letting them drive or vote. And I'm sure there are a lot of American men that would vote for women not to drive, by the way. Uh, but um, I, I want to break down some of the things. Um, and, and, you know, I, I, I know that there are uh, this, this piece entitled Nine Things You Should Know About the Women's Mosque of America. But I, I want to talk about Muslim women in general. American, you know, Muslim women and, you know, Muslim women throughout the world. Uh, because I and, I, and I I think one good thing that came out of 9-11 is somebody, you know, a lot of people out there that didn't know before, they know what a hijab is. Right. And hopefully they don't just view everybody wearing a hijab or burqa as a terrorist. But obviously those uh, sentiments still um, continue, and I just hope they don't prevail. So l- let's talk, as a Muslim woman yourself, um, about Muslim um, women in general and Things that people should know about Muslim women and, you know, women uh, in Islam. You know, I think the most single most important thing that people should know about Muslim women is that we're so different. There's so many different people out, so many, we're as diverse as it can possibly be. Like, I don't choose to cover my hair. Um, I have cousins who decide that it's important to cover their face. Um, I also know that those cousins are incredible feminists um, who are out making money and uh, telling people what to do, telling their subordinates who are males what to do. Um, We come from so many different ethnic backgrounds, um, and as American Muslim women, uh, we're just especially concerned for our families and our our parents and our kids. And... we're in lots of different industries all the way across the board, um, and that uh, American Muslim women, right behind Jews, are the most educated uh, group of women in the U.S. And and you know what what are some of the things that you hear out there as an American Muslim that that are complete complete falsehoods about Muslim women in in particular, even just you know Muslims in particular. You know, I think it's interesting. Muslim women, um, we, we typically get this idea that, you know, all, all Muslim men are oppressing Muslim women. Um, and from my personal experience, I've seen women who have been definitely have been oppressed by men. In my personal experience, that hasn't been the case. Um, I am married and I have a son. I mean, I've got two kids and a husband. Um, and I think I've, I'm the happiest that I've ever been, um, and it's because I'm in a place where I'm independent. Um, I'm still working alongside men and women who do really amazing things, uh, and I have the opportunity to, to still thrive, and we both 
share the dishes and the cooking um, and the diapers. <laughs> and you know what? Regardless of religion, there are a lot of guys that don't do that. And a lot of ladies out there are saying, where can I find a guy like this? Uh, let's take some calls. Reggie is in Decatur, Georgia, online, too. Reggie, question or comment for our guest, Mrs. Zizan. Yes, yeah, I would like to know that. Do you remember this story? And I'm sure Leslie herself has talked about it, about this Muslim woman who was kicked off the airplane for warning, for simply warning an, an open can of diet. Yep, she wanted a full can of soda. She wanted a full can, which my kids ask for, by the way, because they yeah, like drinking out of the can. can. Of, a, a full can of uh, and an open undiet, uh, and an open diet Coke, and because she was Muslim, and like like Leslie said before, you got fear mongers like or such as Donald Trump, Ben Carson, Ben Carson, Pamela Geller, and those on you know who are on radio and TV such as Rush Limbaugh and the like are still fear mongering about Muslim all Muslims being terrorists because of them are terrorists or Muslim. How do you feel about that, ma'am? And what Aziza? do you say to these people about Aziza? I mean, it really comes back down to, like, I, I definitely, it, it hurts when I, when I hear it. It hurts on a deep level because it affects a lot of the people that I know and I love. And at the same time, I, I actually fear for America because if we let this slide with Muslims, we let it slide with everybody because we're, like I mentioned, we're about to go into a, an election year and we know xenophobia is going to go up. So if, it, if we allow it to go rampant with Muslims, we're going to continue to allow it to, just it's a slippery slope and it's going to affect people of all groups and all backgrounds so as much as we might hate or like each other we're in this together uh most definitely when you have somebody like geller who is putting up and other organizations Mm. signs not about terrorism even jihadism radicalized islamists but about islam uh, how, how do you broach that being that you're you're trying to have peace and find common ground and mend bridges and and fences and extend that olive branch and and what she and others like this are doing is is completely the opposite and is very i find very very offensive and very dangerous you know this year i think that it really hit a personal chord um as part of the obligation of the people who go through our programs. They have to go through the program and they have to do a project of Muslims and Jews working together that will benefit Muslims and Jews in general. And this year's project, the group decided to um, basically uh, do a full day of prayer from Santa Monica starting at the beach at dawn. Um, And they prayed side by side, Muslims and Jews, in public spaces all the way through until they made their way to downtown L.A., and on their way to downtown L.A. in the subway, the leader of the Muslim prayer started getting messages on his phone, um, and he started to feel this panic and this surge of anxiety. Um, the messages were, it was May 3rd, and his family um, were saying, listen, we're okay, we're all on lockdown, the whole area within a one or two mile radius is completely on lockdown, we don't know what's going on, there's been a shooting where you graduated from high school. Um, and that was Garland, Texas. And so his mind wasn't in the prayer. He was thinking, I don't even know if I can lead this prayer because I'm thinking so much about my family. And the group decided to ban around him and say, you know, whatever it is that you need, we're here for you. And so with their support, he decided to go ahead and lead the prayer. And later on in an interview with the Jewish Journal, he explained that the reason why he did that was because 
while Pamela Geller gets her freedom of speech to tout whatever it is that's on her mind, he and the rest of us also have our right to free speech, to stand for tolerance, to stand for freedom, to stand for true pluralism. Um, and that ultimately that he knew that that project that they were doing was really important, but he didn't understand that the significance of it until that very moment. And that moment has now been captured in a six-minute video that has now been viewed over 135,000 times and made it into media coverage, not only in the United States, but around the world, including Egypt and Pakistan um, and in the Arab world as well. That, that's awesome. I had started talking about... Um Nine Things You Should Know About the Women's Mosque of America. Uh, this is a, a woman's mosque. This would be where just women pray. And somebody asked a question on Twitter, which I think is, uh, you know, fair. Um, we had posted the Prophet Muhammad was arguably one of the greatest feminists that ever lived. Does this surprise you? I want to get to that. But Connie tweeted, if this is true, then why do Muslim women need their own mosque? Are Muslim men not following his example? And I thought it was a fair question, especially for people that may not be aware of segregation as they have in many uh, synagogues um, as well as uh, as well as mosques you know I kind of go back to the Dalai Lama on this one um, is that we really don't need more Muslims or Christians or Jews or whatever out there we need more practicing people in those faith traditions Um, and what's true in Islam is also true in many other traditions Um, the essence of the message um, is beautiful and and important and he did a lot though the prophet peace be upon him did a lot of things from allowing women to have the right to divorce to owning and inheriting land um, and yet we have a system of patriarchy that has predated Islam and has worked its way into uh, just every part of Islam so it's up to Muslim women to take back that narrative you, you are a Muslim woman, you're modern, you're open-minded. Why do you think people perceive Islam and even the Prophet Muhammad as being sexist and oppressive toward women? Because ultimately there have been many sexist instances that have been um, shown on a global scale. Um, I, there's no denying that there is sexism um, in Muslim communities. Uh, and at the same time, there are a lot of really great examples where um, people, where equality of the sexes is also really important. We just don't get to hear about those. And, I, and it's still, it's a problem. Um, and I would never sit, try to say that it's not a problem. Um, the reason why the women's mosque exists is because there needs to be a space for women to have support for each other, to hear a different interpretation, because we read religious text we we see the the words on the page but we interpret them differently they land on our hearts differently and uh we like when i did the i did a reflection for during ramadan at one of the mainstream mosques here in southern california the reflections focused a lot on forgiveness and mercy because that's what i literally saw that was coming out at me in the text someone else who had done it the year before focused on other things Ultimately, as women, we just are going to come at things from a different lens, and it's important for us to offer something important because at this point, Muslim women don't really have a place to offer religious reflections in mainstream Muslim societies. I loved having you on. We will have you on again. 
We liked having you on before, and that's why you're back today. Thank you for joining us, Aziza. Aziza Hassan, like I said, she is the executive director of New Ground, a Muslim-Jewish partnership for change. Check out their website, muslimjewishnewground.org. Follow them on Twitter at MJNewGround. How to show up with Coca-Cola energy. You're tired and you're thinking of canceling on your friends. Don't do it! Every time you cancel on a friend, a unicorn loses its horn and becomes a regular horse. Do you really want that on your conscience? Instead, grab an ice-cold can of Coca-Cola Energy with delicious Coke taste and reinvigorating energy. Keep the unicorns alive! Show up every day with Coca-Cola Energy. Energy you want, taste you love.